You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. I hope you are well. The interview subject that's coming up for your listening pleasure during this very bizarre COVID-19-influenced times is Nicholas Sandin, and he's the bassist in long-running Swedish doom outfit, Catatonia. Now, the reason for the chat is because the band, they do have a new album out. It'll be released on the 24th of April via Peaceville. That's 24th of April 2020 for those listening into the distant future. This one's called City Burials, and it is a cracking affair as we discuss through the conversation. Now, we actually did talk for near an hour, but guess what? My recording software failed for some reason about halfway through the chat. Hence, there's only about 25 minutes or so of the conversation that's been recorded, but it's all good stuff, so I'm going to release it. Here he is. It's Nick from the band Catatonia. But let's talk about the music. Um, Look, first up, you've got this cracking album, okay? I I really am enjoying it, but I have enjoyed your stuff since uh, at least... The Discouraged Ones or Discouraged Ones in 1998 when you made that change from uh, more of a death metal band into more of a brooding, melodic doom band. But I guess my first question for you is, mate, obviously you're doing these sorts of interviews with people like me, but how are you? How else have you guys talked about promoting the album? Because I'd really hate for this one to get lost in the mix. Uh, that's something that we're discussing and trying to find alternative options rather than uh, like like you rely on being able to go out touring because of course that's not possible right now. So that's what we're trying trying to figure out mm. and uh, but haven't really come to any like set conclusion but we have we have our our options which I think if if it, if it happens if it um, if it manifests itself we will uh, we will go out with that information quite soon. Mm. Yeah, because it, it it's an album that continues what you guys have been doing for a long time. And, and it's an album that I really like it when bands... Okay, I don't mind a curveball every once in a while, and I think most fans feel the same way, but when, when bands go on a complete tangent and it throws bands off, and I'm not talking about experimenting, as I'm saying, but really sort of moving from the core narrative of the band's direction from previous albums, you guys haven't done that. You stayed on the course, so there's plenty of atmosphere... Lots of what I like about this album, it's a headphone album. So there's lots of very interesting sounds going on in the background to counterpoint the beautiful vocal me- melody that's there. And the other thing, too, I find about this album, it has a soundtrack quality. So it could almost be the score to a movie in some regards. So, how did you guys approach your songwriting this time around? It's been pretty much the same as it's always been. It's been uh, now mostly Jonas creating the music and the and all the lyrics as uh, usual, and um, yeah, he he writes it back in his home studio, and uh, la- later on he shares that with us others, and uh, we get to practice our stuff on pre-recorded demos, and uh, and yeah, and then we 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 do that in our own uh, secluded studios so yeah there there's the social distancing already implemented i guess <laughs> by 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 doing that kind of thing and uh and yeah and then when we we know the stuff we go into the studio and uh, do the proper recording together and uh and yeah we 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 get to put our own spices and our own pre- preferred as as for me bass lines and uh, nice. and 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 it's very coherent and uh, he wants stuff to be brought brought 
to the table rather than just me like copying and pasting you know mm. so 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 that's very nice it's very 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 rewarding as a band member to be able to do that and have that freedom as well yeah I, you, look you've read my mind on a question i was going to ask further down the further into the interview but i'll ask it now because i too am a bass player and i've been playing for about 30 years or so and I, oh, nice. I, I enjoy your bass playing. Actually, I've got to say, I like the fact that you do exactly what you just said then. You don't have to be a carbon copy of what the keyboard line is doing or what the guitar line is doing. I like the counterpoint you're doing, and it reminds me a little bit, here's a big compliment, of what Bob Daisley used to do, and probably still does do. You know, the great Ozzy Osbourne bass player, the guy who practically gave him a career when he wrote all of his songs for him uh, on the yeah. bass a lot of the time. And you do something similar in that you're using a lot of fifths and you're really making the music move and groove in the way that a Motown bass player makes music move and groove. I don't know whether you've had that feedback before, but as a musician, that's certainly what I hear. All right. Yeah, I haven't heard that like re reference before, but I, I'll take it, especially, <laughs> the mo especially the Motown thing, because that I think is very... You, you, you can find all the greatest bass lines in Motown music, in my, in my opinion. I wholeheartedly agree from the perspective that if James Jamison wasn't around, bass playing right now, including me and you and the way we approach bass playing, would sound different. He was the guy that really made the bass stand out and it was no longer just following a melody because a lot of what he's doing wasn't playing jazz, which a lot of the bass players were playing up to that point. Um, he, was, he really adopted or, or wrote or... He manufactured the template. That's the word I'm looking for, the phrasing that I'm looking for that we all still use, I think. And, you know, I can hear that in your playing and, and you, you're, the band, Catatonia, are better for it. Oh, thank you. And uh, and I have to mention that Jonas is one hell of a good uh, writer of bass lines. So lots of, the, lots, of, lots of the good ones are already written by Jonas, which is really, really cool. It's, nice. al it's, al it's almost like if... Sometimes you get handed a song and then you don't really want to change stuff because it's already so good from the get-go. Then you find just some small small, small tweaks here and there and uh, just some mi minor changes. But, but quite often it's like, oh, all right, maybe you should have, maybe you should have been a bass player <laughs> in, in, a, in a way. And, and he's really, really good at writing those writing those lines so it's al almost sometimes it's a little bit two-handed to you but but I, but I like that as well and uh, I think that we kind of understand each other what we 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 both want the same thing like in terms of bass so it becomes hmm. very easy easy like that and he easily digests my my ideas as well so what about endorsements and the gear that you play through? Can you tell me about that? Because there's a lot of good manufacturers like EBS that are coming out of Sweden, as they have been for the last couple of decades or so. But do, do you use Swedish gear or have you sort of branched abroad a bit more? Right now I'm using more Swedish gear than I've ever had since I am uh, almost solely playing the Microbase 3. I've always been a good, good like... Uh, an, good endorser of uh, the Microbase 2 ever since I started with the band. And uh, now when the Microbase 3, which is even more versatile, came out with its built-in tuner and that you have two, two dedicated channels and it's very, very much based on preamps you can find in their, in their heads. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, you, you, you don't really need too much more. It's, it's, it's that one and I have a Line 6 wireless 
uh, system for and 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 that that that's basically my live rig. And now yeah. now I, yeah, and uh, I I pair it up with uh, Hogstrom Super Suede basses. And I yes. yeah, and I just switched from Fender to Hogstrom, and uh, and they are great. They're very very even. They they ring and sustain until eternity almost mm-hmm. and it's cool that, that that the fact is that it was designed together with uh, Rutger Gunnarsson uh, which was the bass player for ABBA so it's basically the yes the I bit, know who he is the, yeah it was b- basically the bass that uh, they constructed for for him to lay the all, all those classic ABBA songs with yeah, that's that's a really interesting point because I play covers, so I've played a lot of Abba's music, and I really admire his bass playing. I must say, it's it's not quite as intricate and as complementary to the melody as what say James Jamison's is, but I like what he did. And you know, because I play a five string bass, I transpose a lot of what he does on four string onto five string, and it sounds even better on a five string. I've got to say, um, so I'm really I'm really happy to hear that that there's been that. Um, it's kind of like a hybrid approach to what you're doing insofar as you're borrowing, almost borrowing elements that worked in disco music and pop music in your music because of the kind of bass that you're using. I think that's really important. And, and as a bassist, as you know, mate, probably the best bass lines ever written in my view uh, in terms of the bass lines that I think are the most complicated and add the most to the song come from disco music. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know? and, uh, and, I, and I think it's, it's kind of kind of like a bo- boring thing to play like an active, very met- metal uh, metal based uh, bass guitar. I, I I rather try to use more vintage approach because they are usually very very versatile in their sounds and and you don't need to really have all all that like intricate preamps backed up. If you have a very good sounding bass. From from the from the beginning, you don't need to have all that extra gear and absolutely and quirks. Yeah, I've played music and it's mo- Yeah, sorry, you go. Sorry. And it and and it's mostly in your fingers, anyways. You're talking about some really important things that I think any young bass player who's wanting to lean into the advice of somebody should listen to you. Okay, because too many I think bass gets sort of thrown to the side a little bit these days, especially with all these home recording setups and YouTube bands and all the rest of it, but. Learning how to move and groove is so important, and it comes from, if you're a right-handed bass player, I think you're a right-handed bass player based on the photo here, and this has been inverted, but um, I'm a right-handed bass player, so my picking fingers, I use my fingers, is on my right hand. It actually, your sound actually comes from your right hand. It doesn't come from your your frets. And I think a lot of of that is, I wouldn't say it's a dying art, but I'm hearing less of it, which I think is really a shame, because... You have to learn how to find the space between the notes in order to make as much of an impact in the music, something that you do really well. And now I can totally understand how you do it so well because you're open to all these other influences. Yeah, and I mean, it's as you say, it's all about what happens in your right hand and how you articulate your your tones. And there's so much you can do by just leaning into one pickup or the other, how tight you want it to be or how, how much low end you want it to have or... How it should sustain. So I think that instead instead of getting uh, like m- multi thousand uh, worth of uh, like m- multi effect or something like that that should 
create all the sounds for you, you can create almost all those already in your hand. And it's more, mm. much more re rewarding to be able to manipulate your tone in terms of how you're playing rather than, rather than what gear you're having. Now, have you played an Alembic bass before? No, I haven't, haven't played those, but I've uh, seen, seen pictures and they look really, really cool. Yeah, that and a brand called Status, which Mark King from Level 42 uses. And I think the guy out of, I can't remember the guy out of um, Muse, his name, but um, he uses one as well. And that's between those two, when I've got a spare 10 grand lying around one day, <laughs> that's what I'll buy. Uh, but the Alembic bass, because, you know, John Entwistle used it and there's been so many great artists over the years. I think Mark King did use it on some earlier recordings with Level 42 as well. But they've just got that classic sound that was that was sampled by the Fairlight machine which you can hear on um Frankie Goes to Hollywood you know that song Relax with that bass that E slap bass line that it's got all the way through it it's got that classic sound it just cuts through everything that's my dream tone right there all right I have to refresh my memory after the after this interview to to, to listen to it and uh <laughs> yeah but, but yeah I but yeah I can uh, I think I relate to what you're meaning there mm. so some something that sounds clear and pristine but it pops as well and it has its yeah you just hard part part, part part in the mix mm. yeah you just nailed it then yep yep you know what you're doing that's for sure if you're phrasing it that way so look look i'll ask a few more questions about the uh the band and the album because i think i mentioned it a little bit earlier but you really were one of the first bands to change gears and swap death growls for melodic vocals and then keep and grow your audience and that's a really important point because in heavy metal as we know as soon as a band does something i'm not even talking about experimenting or changing styles but just does something a little bit different fans tend to be up in arms too many examples to uh list for that one there but look i know you came into the band some years later in 2009 but when uh, the band released discouraged ones back in 1998 it really set the tone for a lot of the type of brooding melodic uh, doom metal that was to follow so my question for you after that was, in that regard, can you hear the band's influence in other bands' music? Yeah, both like both like direct and indirect. I I I think that uh, other band members are quicker on uh, per percepting if there's a band that has like in being influenced by by Catatonia. But but yeah, I think I think that there are quite some bands that has that inspiration and that has kind of adopted a little bit little bit of that sound maybe 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 with like putting the ambient stuff in the background together with uh, together with metal elements hmm. and, and and having that kind of uh, bleak, bleak and melancholic uh, what theme if you would like mm-hmm yeah, I can definitely hear it. That's all. There's far too many bands to reference, really. I get, I'm on a, a few mail uh, mail lists, if you like, and I probably get twenty. God, these days, especially with what's going on, I think my um, my email. I tend to get about up to thirty albums a week these days, or releases a week these days to listen to and to review and all the rest of it. But I can always hear through a lot of this underground stuff a catatonia influence. There's no doubt, and I think you, you were spot on there again. It's that the mood and the ambient stuff that goes on in the background that I think. If you guys weren't the first to do it, so be it. But you were certainly one of the first bands to popularise it and for it to become part of the uh, the public's consciousness and therefore 
uh, become an influence, if you like. So, yeah, I think I think that's a really good way of phrasing it. And, mate, given this is your third album with the band, did you feel as though you were able to contribute as much as you wanted to? And I think you've answered it in some way before when we're talking about the bass playing, but how do you feel really satisfied with this album insofar as your own contribution is concerned? Yeah, definitely. I think it... Well, some sometimes, in a way, I'm uh, going into with the approach that I want to play more and more intricate and do like more advanced bass lines with them, but then I kind of revert my ideas to something that will fit the music in whole more. Hmm. That that I that I'm not trying to be too too much of taking space, but rather backing up the music as a bass player should do. So so I think that I I contributed in uh, in the best way I could by by doing some cool stuff and uh, but but mostly just letting the letting the song breathe and not take too much of space and more more be that backing element with the drums hmm. yeah yeah okay gotcha and um i suppose it's too early to talk about this one this sort of thing here but did you have tours scheduled to support the the release i assume you did and and like if you because i know i'm starting to get a lot of emails now about bands that have rebooked tours for sort of october november december so do you guys fall into the same basket as well yeah we had uh tours already booked and i'm not sure if uh if the tours that we have booked if they're gonna be rescheduled or if they will like that we have the aim of them taking place as uh, planned because it was of course, now it's mostly the summer festivals and uh, things leading up until the summer that gets really affected and gets cancelled and postponed. But it, it was going to be releasing the album and then do summer festivals, more one-off things, and then uh, hit the road, like like serious, serious touring and heavy touring in the fall anyways. So I guess that that's the time frame where people are postponing or moving their tours too. So... Hopefully, it won't have to be affected, those plans, but you never know. Well, let, let's hope that this thing blows over so they can uh, still still happen. Well, uh, like what I was saying earlier, mate, I think if people self-isolate and they uh, respect what uh, authorities are saying, we'll all get through this within sort of six months. Um, and I really, truly hope we do from an economic perspective uh, as much as a health perspective. And uh, I, I just get... I, I would really, as I've already said... Uh, hope that this album is able to reach as much ease as it needs to and as we both know that is off the back of touring and I understand people have got a lot of time at the moment but you're competing with all the other bullshit that's out there on Netflix and Disney and all the rest of it as well and I think that's what management types and bands need to sort of consider is that whilst people might have a lot of time on their hands they've got a lot of time on their hands to waste time <laughs> whereas oh yeah <laughs> whereas touring mate i mean I, i'd love to see you guys in australia so i guess that's the next question is um will we part of the plans mate in the next 18 months or so do you think you're going to come down do you think not sure time wise but definitely definitely part of the plan that hmm. we 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 wouldn't miss australia for the world how do we stack up compared to other parts of the world when you're touring are, are we one of the more enjoyable places for you to come uh, once your jet lag has kind of been taken care of and uh, that's a little bit eased up, then definitely it's always a always a place where I where I really much look forward to go to and uh, 
yeah, as as I mentioned, once the jet lag <laughs> has, <laughs> has somewhat smoothed out because it's a long way to go, then it's just pure pleasure. And I think the audience has always been good and very that that will be always very well received in all in all kind of ways because I can uh, I can somewhat relate to the same kind of hospitality as you can uh, expect when coming to Sweden sure. as in Australia it's very uh, everybody is very kind and very very welcoming oh, yeah, it's it's a strangest thing and I've said this a few times because there's so many as as you know like Sweden per head per capita there's more musicians that come out of Sweden than anywhere else I'm convinced of it certainly because out of the 500 interviews or so, 500 plus interviews at this point that I've done, at least 15% of them come from musicians out of Sweden, outside of America and yeah, probably outside of the US. That is the next country, unbelievably. There you go, out of all of the countries in the world, it's Sweden that provides all these wonderful musicians. But the other point there is that being at uni uh, with, with students from Sweden, we we very similar in outlook to Australians and I can't understand it from the perspective that we're God knows how many thousands of kilometers away from each other but Swedes fit into Australia really well and you love the lifestyle here and from in that way I kind of feel like as though we're distant cousins um, God knows how it's happened but we'll take it because you know why not <laughs> yeah I, I take it as well yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's a it's it could be lots worse Indeed. Indeed. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It's just one of those things because we, you know, I understand the relationship between Australia and England and Scotland and Ireland because that's where our forefathers came from. But Sweden is a re- relatively recent thing, yet we've got so much in common, and I just think it's a beautiful thing that we can communicate on that level because you know I love heavy metal and a lot of Sweden loves heavy metal as well. So we've always got a lot in common sport too. I know you guys don't play cricket and rugby, but, uh, you know, you love sport there too. I know you do. You love your ice hockey and a bit of soccer as well, or football as you call it. Um, and so there's a lot in common that way. And, and there's a, a good balance. I'm picking up with Swedish people too, that there's a good balance of life, meaning work and like downtime. There's not that massive focus on working, working, working as there is in most other parts of the world. I th- I think that we are uh, that we are good at taking care of our our spare time, and uh, and of, and of course we have lots of uh, paid vacation of th- th- those who have real jobs here. They have uh, like a huge chunk of paid vacation every year, so they're able to spend that time with families and uh, friends, and lo- lots of downtime during uh, these kind of. Uh, what you say, like seasonal celebrations, like Christmas and uh, sure. and yeah. mid, mid, mid midsummer and and Easter and all that, all those things. So yeah, in a, in a way, I think that you're I think that you're right there. But but there's also you can see signs of people just just working and having that as their main goal here, and like very career driven. But but we still get that like off time and uh, and yeah and and companies are very very good at uh, honoring that. Hmm. Yeah, Sydney and Melbourne's a lot like what you're saying. Brisbane, where I'm, where I'm based. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online, and my name is Andrew Mackay-Smith. That interview subject was the great Nicholas Sandin from the Swedish Doom outfit Catatonia. And that's where it ended, unfortunately, insofar as the recording side of it. We did talk for about another 20 minutes about all sorts of things related to career, life, and music, but the recording failed. It happens occasionally 
not very often. I've done, as I think I mentioned through the conversation there, over 500 of these, and it's only happened two or three times before, so not a bad batting average. And that bloody dog that's barking in the background, as you can hear through the, through the first 10 and 15 minutes, that's my neighbor's dog, which I can't do anything about because he's gone to Darwin for a couple of months and he's left the dog practically by itself. So it barks constantly. Sorry about that. As I say, nothing I can do. Anyway, thanks for listening.